You're listening to a CHUO podcast. CHUO is community-driven media. Find us online at chuo.fm, on air at 89.1 FM in Ottawa, and on social media at chuo.fm. And you're still tuned in to Black on Black on CHUO 89.1 FM, your weekly connection to African and Caribbean communities in the nation's capital and beyond. And we are very pleased to welcome to the show Natasha Henry. Natasha Henry is an educator, historian, curriculum consultant, specializing in the development of learning materials that focus on the African diasporic experience. She's the author of Firsts, published in 2014. She got the Gold Medal Moonbeam Children's Book Award for Multicultural Nonfiction as part of the Sankofa Black Heritage Collection. She's also the author of The African Diaspora 2015, Early Societies, Africa, China, and Europe 2013. But really, I know her because of her books Talking About Freedom, Celebrating Freedom in Canada 2012, and Emancipation Day, Celebrating Freedom in Canada, published in 2010. She's also written entries for the Canadian Encyclopedia on African-Canadian history, and she has developed the educational resources for several several, uh, exhibits and web-based projects on the Black Experience in Canada. Welcome, Natasha Henry. It's very nice to have you on the show. Hi, Sarah. How are you? It's so great to be back on your show again. Yeah, it's been a while. And really, um, every Emancipation Day, we should have you on because you really are uh, quite uh, an expert on the commemoration of Emancipation Day in Canada specifically. So let's start off by exploring what Emancipation Day is and what it means to you specifically as a Black Canadian. Sure. So Emancipation Day uh, is the day that the British legislation took effect on August 1st, 1834. And this piece of legislation was introduced the year prior um, that would eradicate or end the practice of enslavement throughout uh, most British colonies, effective August 1st, 1834. And uh, so out of that um, that day, when the legislation took effect, the celebration and the commemoration of the abolition of slavery in most British colonies uh, was born. So that included some places in the British Caribbean, However, there were a few colonies, such as Jamaica, for example, where they um, the abolition of slavery was delayed fully for four years, uh, where they moved from the practice of enslavement to an apprenticeship system. And so in some of those places, the end of slavery didn't really come until August 1st, 1838. Canada, early Canada, as a British colony, um, this legislation was also applicable here in in Canada. And just as one uh, example, um, because sometimes in looking at our history of enslavement and looking at the gradual abolition 
of enslavement in early Ontario, um, there's this idea that the 1793 Act to Limit Slavery abolished slavery in Ontario, and that was not true. In fact, that piece of legislation confirmed enslavement and then stated that over a few generations that slavery would gradually be abolished. And so slavery remained an institution and was in practice. Um, and as an example, in terms of the connection to the 1834 Act, there was a young boy by the name of Tom who was 15 years old uh, in 1824, in the summer of 1824, when his enslaver, Mr. Joseph Keeler, sold out, sold him out in, on a contract, a higher out contract for 10 years. And Tom was a child who was born after 1793 um, legislation was passed, which meant that he, by law, could be enslaved until the age of 25. And so with him, we see that the 10 years contract brought him into the summer of 1834, the very summer that this legislation took effect. So out of this day, as I mentioned, you know, there was a celebration that sprang up uh, um, across Canada throughout the decades. Some of the places that marked emancipation in 1834 included in Montreal, in Windsor and in Toronto. And later on, as the Black communities um, grew um, because of freedom seeker migration into Canada, the celebration grew exponentially in different locations and has been marked since then. Um, one place, for example, that has marked uh, Emancipation Day and still does is in Owen Sound. This year, they are marking the 158th consecutive Emancipation Day celebration. And so we see how this has remained um, a steadfast cultural tradition in Black communities. Uh, over time, the features of Emancipation Day celebrations included early morning church services, speakers who came from, um, you know, locales, uh, places across Canada, but also the United States and even in, um, from the Caribbean as well, such as Frederick Douglass, um, Marcus Garvey uh, um, was a speaker at Emancipation Day in Port Dalhousie, St. Catharines in 1938. There were uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the Windsor um, Emancipation Day, which was the largest one uh, in 1957. And um, there were also parades, huge parades of Black people uh, primarily, but also supported by white sympathizers and Indigenous sympathizers marching in the streets, holding placards and signs, marching bands. Um, these were some of the common elements of Emancipation Day celebrations. And as the day continued, people would have a range of social activities, including performances, singers. There would also be um, uh, dance competitions, uh, feasts, people would come together and eat and celebrate and mark the occasion. But Emancipation Day, as in its roots in terms of um, agitating for freedom, uh, coming out of the history of those who were enslaved, agitating for their freedom through many uprisings during the time up to 1834, there's always been this common stream of activism and the push for freedom and full racial justice uh, throughout Emancipation Day celebrations uh, across, across Canada. And it really, um, you know, at this occasion, people would come together and speak about 
some of the issues uh, outside of or after slavery was abolished in the United States, that there were issues of racial segregation, racial exclusion, um, all of these, these barriers that Black Canadians face. These were part of the conversations uh, as part of Emancipation Day celebrations. Uh, and so we see that, you know, over time, the celebrations, they waned in some places as the Black population waned. In some places, um, the the temperature of Emancipation Day uh, focused, uh, the changed. In some places, it became more of a family gathering uh, and, and uh, family reunions in some places, such as in... Um, in, in Owen Sound. And so these are some of the things, again, that really make up the history of Emancipation Day. And it continues to be marked today um, in various forms by different organizations and communities. So, Natasha, you talked about parades. Is it in any way um, connected to Caravana? Yes, there's also a connection to <clears throat> Caravana in that when Caravana was introduced as part of Canada's um, bicentennial in um, or centennial in 1967, uh, those people who who organize emancipate um, sorry emanc Caravana celebrations these were Caribbean immigrants and they brought with them and they wove into Caravana the elements of how Emancipation Day was celebrated with part of that carnival style in the Caribbean and so absolutely there are those roots of Emancipation Day commemorations in Caravana. Mm -hmm. So your your interest in researching this because I mean again there still are not that many researchers in Canadian Black history, from what I've seen. But you decided to focus specifically on that aspect of Black Canadian culture, Emancipation Day commemorations. Why? Why was that important to you? Funny enough, um, it wasn't my personal interest at first. I was actually invited to speak at Emancipation Day celebrations in Owen Sound a couple of years prior to when my book was published. And there was this small publishing house called Natural Heritage, um, which was since bought by... Um, Dundurn Press. And the publishers, they were publishing some uh, books that focus on Black history, including um, Underground Railroad, Next Stop Toronto. And they uh, were part of, they celebrated Emancipation Day celebrations and always had uh, their vending table, the books at Owen Sound celebrations. And so in coming to know them, they, they thought that we had a conversation and they approached me and said, you know, this celebration is really important. This history should be documented. And we would love to have someone, you know, write this history, research and write this history. And so that sparked my interest. Um, and that's how the book came about. And I'm so grateful that, um, that Jane and Barry, that Penhale, that they, you know, proposed this project because it absolutely is a very important history to record because I myself had no idea about the history of Emancipation Day celebrations in, in Canada. I knew about it in the Caribbean uh, history, but did not know that it had such a rooted history here 
in, in Canada. Uh, and when we look at Emancipation Day celebrations, it's not just about marking the occasion, but it's very much about the social and political activism of Black communities that crosses borders, you know, whether it's the United States or in the Caribbean, we see these African diasporic connections through the activism, but also through the celebration. Okay. Um, Pat has a question about, because, you know, in the United States, uh, the equivalent would be the Juneteenth celebrations, right? In uh, June. So, Pat, what your question? I think actually Adrian has a question because I, I believe Natasha has answered my question, which was really about linking um, the importance of looking at Emancipation Day outside of limited national boundaries. And I think, right. Natasha, you've answered that. Yeah. So, and and Natasha, my question about um, this year we've seen, I, I've never, I've always celebrated Juneteenth and Emancipation Day uh, here locally in Ottawa. Um, and um, I think this year unparalleled coverage of Juneteenth highlighted its importance uh, as an emancipation commemoration. Do you see the energy similarly here in Canada during a Black Lives um, um, a Black Lives Matter uh, moment. Are you feeling and seeing the parallels for Emancipation Day um, commemorations here in Ontario or across the country at all? Yes, I, I am actually. I've seen uh, an increased interest in Emancipation Day just from a broad spectrum of society. Uh, I've been invited to um, do presentations to a range of organizations and um, corporations as well for the first time this year because people are interested in learning more about Black Canadian history, uh, here, right? Being in this this climate and this moment that we're in right now um, with the uprise of, of Black Lives Matter. Uh, there are people who are interested in making those connections to the United States. Um, and people just genuinely want to want to learn more. And so it's I've really seen uh, an upsurge in the in the interest in Emancipation Day, which is good. Uh, there's also a push for national recognition of Emancipation Day that Senator Wanda Thomas-Bernard first introduced a few years ago, and her bill um, died with the, with the formation of a new government. And MP Jawari from Richmond Hill has introduced a private member's bill. Um, he, int he introduced it on March 13th, the day when it was announced that everything... <laughs> Yeah. Had, to, had to close down, but we've been working together. We had a great panel last week, um, again, generating interest and awareness about Emancipation Day and again, uh, what this day means, but also the potential that it has to really increase awareness of Black history and to increase an awareness and mobilize action around what has to be done to address the barriers, the historic barriers that Black communities mm -hmm. continue to face. Mm -hmm. Natasha, so um, because there are a lot of continental African immigrants whose history is this isn't necessarily the Middle Passage history, um, but when you you are an educator, so when you go into a classroom, uh, a multi ethnic, multicultural uh, classroom, how do you teach Emancipation Day and the concept of the enslavement? of Black peoples in this country? How do you teach that history to a group of young people? 
Well, you can, well, I, you know, I can come from it from different, from various angles. Um, Mm -hmm. It's in general, uh, like, for example, at the elementary level, students are exposed to a range of cultural traditions. Emancipation Day can be, right, there's that that entry point in terms of looking at it as a, a cultural tradition and branching off into the history um, of of Emancipation Day, uh, I would I when I do want to say here when you pose the question to me that um, there isn't anything around Black the African ex, um, presence in Canada, four hundred year presence that students in Ontario have to learn that are mandated to learn about in the curriculum. And so anything that teachers teach, it's based on their individual choice. And so. Um, in terms of how to approach it then too, is that it could fit in the you can fit it into the curriculum based on the timeline, based on maybe the groups that you may be focusing on or the local communities, which is always a great anchor for history. So if you're teaching in one of these these many locations that Emancipation Day was celebrated, you can enter through that and through some of the personal individual stories of the people who organized, participated in, and marked Emancipation Day. And of course, then you can also connect it to our very own history, uh, 206 years of enslavement as well. So there are several ways that you can come to, um, you know, exploring this, this rich topic in the classroom. And do you think that this would be, uh, you know, in the next school year, this would be a, a good, given, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter moment that we've been going through during this pandemic, that this is a good opportunity to dust off all of our Black abolitionists, because whenever you see you know the 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 abolitionist movement and then emancipation etc it's it's the white abolitionists that are out front mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. in canada anyway mm-hmm. and i guess and i and i absolutely would say that the moment it's it's a continuum of the struggle of freedom of african people mm-hmm. um and so there's absolutely you know, there's absolutely that connection and that relevance. When I think about what some of our young people are doing today, have done in this summer, what are we mm. going to teach these young people come September? These students who have organized demonstrations and who have created signs and are marching and are speaking at about injustice, right? We, ha- we have uh, an obligation in order to engage them in history in a way that really complicates things, that allows them to interrogate the the um, relationship and the continuities between the past and the present. And we can absolutely do that through looking at Emancipation Day, the connections between Emancipation Day and Black Lives Matter. Um, and, you know, it's in looking at Emancipation Day, we also see, because uh, you talked about the featuring of, of white abolitionists. In looking mm-hmm. at Emancipation Day, we can explore the allyship of different groups of people in the anti-slavery movement and also in the movement for racial justice. Uh, In looking at uh, the history of enslavement, there's been a a connection between um, both freedom seekers and indigenous people uh, and a complicated history because yes, some indigenous people did enslave Africans here in Canada. Then there was also indigenous allies who helped 
freedom seekers like Jos Josiah Henson make it to Canada uh, in their pursuit of freedom. Indigenous people were also part of Emancipation Day in some places. Uh, in my book, I talk about um, a couple of bands uh, who participated in marches and were part of these, um, these commemorations, as well as white allies and um, sympathizers who were part of Emancipation Day as well. So we can look at when we talk about, um, you know, the diversity of Canadian history, we've always been diverse and we can absolutely explore those relationships, the allyships and the tensions as well through um, through this history. So um, we're coming to the end already. We need a whole hour yeah. just for you. I tell you. <laughs> Adrian, Adrian, you have a question. I have, I have one more question, um, Natasha. I know that for me, one of the sort of uh, most amazing things I've ever done in Black Canadian history was to take the African Canadian historical tour so that I could really ground myself in, in the history of being Black in Canada that's um, specific here to Ontario. Um, one of the things that we were hopeful in doing uh, this year was to take students on that kind of trip um, mm -hmm. so that they could experience that as well, um, rather than looking to their um, American counterparts um, for um, rooting or grounding themselves in um, in an identity. Is there anything you can share with our listeners about some of the other examples? I know you mentioned Owen Sound and Jahias Henson, some of the other examples that the African Canadian historical tour that takes you between Toronto, Windsor, St. Catherine, and as north as Owen Sound, Chatham, etc., cetera, um, that would maybe um, pique their interest and have them um, include that perhaps as a, as a, can't travel outside of Canada, but I can travel inside of Ontario kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything you can share about that? Well, yes. Um, and the OBHS, we offer tours. And of course, this year, things are kind of on pause because of COVID. Um, but there are a, a number of Black heritage and history sites that you can visit. Uh, there's the Amherstburg Freedom Museum, who they just opened, I believe, yesterday, and they are taking appointments. Uh, there's, uh, you know, and then even visiting along um, the river, the, the Detroit River, there's a few monuments that, that you can visit. There's Buxton historical site and Chatham there's the wish center that as well if the, you know when they become open that's a place to visit and then in Niagara uh where there's in in London there's the the BME church that's there Beth Emanuel and in Niagara there's a the, the Salem chapel with the BME church which was the church that Harriet Tubman um she uh was a member of and there is quite a number of sites in Niagara. Ni in Niagara on the lake, there's the new park, Voices of Freedom Park, and people can visit that anytime because it's outside. And so, you know, if people are looking for somewhere to go now, they can visit there. There's uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, which was where Josiah Henson helped to organize one of the set planned settlements for uh, freedom seekers. And actually, as part of our program, the Ontario Black History Society's Emancipation Day celebration uh, tomorrow, um, there will be a virtual tour of uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. And on Saturday, the cabin will be hosting their own virtual tour as well. So people could experience that virtually. There's also the, the John Walls um, 
the site as well, closer to the the Windsor area. And, you know, so there's quite a number of my favorite. That one was my favorite. Oh, it was. Yeah. So, oh. And so I would encourage people again to, you know, to check out on social media as these sites continue to adapt to the COVID restrictions to see when they may be open or what they're offering online for people to experience those sites. So before we end the interview, uh, I wanted you to talk about the event that you're hosting today, uh, Saturday, August 1st, your virtual event highlighting Emancipation Day. Are you able? Okay, so our event is on July the 31st. And um, oh, no, this is a no, sorry, I got confused. The event where you are the guest speaker. That's what that's what's on August first. Okay, so yes, yes. So I'm, okay, so I yes, yeah, so I'm a guest speaker, a keynote speaker for the Emancipation Day celebration that takes place later on this evening, and it's hosted by the Afro Caribbean Canadian Association in Hamilton, and there is myself and a great lineup of performers who are going to be um, are part of the program in celebrating Emancipation Day today on August first. Mm-hmm. And it features, of course, Liberty Silver. Yes, a great, remarkable uh, singer. You have, yes, and you have uh, poets, you have drummers, etc. And so, people, it, it's a, it's free admission for people to register. Yes, it's free admission. It will be a virtual event. Um, so there is an Eventbrite link that is mm-hmm. shared on social media. And I encourage people to take the time to tune in to one of these Emancipation Day events that are taking place today. Okay. And uh, for our audience, the event is called We Are Planted Here, Commemorating Emancipation Day. So if you Google that, the Eventbrite is going to come up and you can click on that and register. Natasha, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your exceedingly busy schedule (laughs) to talk to us. We need to have you back on a little more often and not just wait for Black History Month or Emancipation Day. I agree. I agree. It's a pleasure having this conversation (laughs) with you all today. So thank you so much for the time. Thank you very much. We've been talking with Natasha Henry, an educator, historian, and curriculum consultant who also happens to be president of the Ontario Black History Society. And you are still tuned in to Black on Black on CHU 89.1 FM, your weekly connection to African and Caribbean communities in the nation's capital and beyond. Stay tuned. You've been listening to a CHO original podcast. CHO is community-driven media. Find us online at chuo.fm, on air at 89.1 FM in Ottawa, and on social media at chuo.fm.